If you're an Android user trying to figure out just who killed Mr. Body, well, perhaps you should check the library or the conservatory. I, I bet there's a I bet there's a clue game app. There's absolutely a clue game app. I would bet pretty much anything on it. Uh, but if you're listen, looking for a good way to listen to your podcast, check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. There's thousands of good reviews telling you all about it, so you don't have to take my word for it. But you should check it out if you're an Android user. That's the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. If you need a holiday gift for the most important person on your list, I'm talking about yourself, head to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. If you sign up now at the $5 level, you get... 11 plus hours of bonus content that's commentary tracks bonus full-length episodes you what you'll also get coming your way in december is a full-length episode on back to the future that's for our december bonus episode as well as the new christmas mentary which is a little silly gift from us to you of us doing commentary track for some little piece of pop culture it won't be a movie it'll be a little short thing but those two things together, you're probably looking at a total of around 13 plus uh, hours of content for your for your Patreon uh, membership. And if you sign up, you get access to all of the back stuff. It's not just like you get the things going forward. So you can go check out all the old bag of soups, which has re- reviews of things that we've liked recently. We've got uh, all the bonus content we talked about there. A lot of big popular movies. Great Muppet that Caper. Talk about. Absolutely. Great Muppet Caper. Dirty Dancing. Roger Rabbit. Many, many, many more. So head over to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s and check that out. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the mega podcasting powers. And with me, as always, is the man who did it in the conservatory with the candlestick, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> We're diving into easily the best board game adaptation of all time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I say, ha- I, I say, I say that others? as one of the like many. I'm one of the nine people who saw a theatrical presentation of Battleship. Oh, that's right. And doesn't Battleship? Isn't the main climax that like old men from like Vietnam have to? I it's it's not Vietnam. It's World War II, which makes it even funnier. Oh boy, it it is one Picturing of the most Rihanna unintentionally with like yes geriatric. Like men, yes, rolling mi- missiles around the ship because they can't pick them up anymore. It's it's even better because there's first of all, it's set to Back in Black or no Thunderstruck, the ACDC song. It's a weird, right? Okay. So it's like <laughs> okay. So quickly, this like two minute scene which you should look up and is available somewhere on the internet. I'm certain it's like. We're the only ship left that's functional. Well, this is an antique. It's a museum. And then all the old guys who are there being like honored are like, we know how to make her sing. And it's like, thunder. So it's like, you know, Thunderstruck. It's like crazy guitar, big stomps. So, so, so wait though. Wait. So, (laughs) so it becomes men who are 80 plus years old who are, Genuinely, and this is not like I'm not clowning on people for being old Are they like and real veterans. Move well. They're actual veterans. Yes, <laughs> yes. People who who made big sacrifices, but like the the clowning on this is the filmmaker who decided to be like, ah, you know what the perfect climax is? We'll have a bunch of people who are at the age where they're 
genuinely not moving well anymore. They're, you know, they're all pretty healthy, but they're all struggling to their balance isn't what it Mobility's used to be. All great. those things. We're going to score it to this, you know, penis rock ACDC song. And then we're going to have them like slowly shuffling and like doing things like taking off the, the, the rope, the divider rope that like prevents you from like getting into the area. And then they, at one point, <laughs> like you said, the, the missile carrying mechanism is non-functional. And so mm-hmm. they're like, there's only one missile left. We got to get it to the other side of the ship. And so all of these old men and all of the young people too, like everybody puts a shoulder on this thing and they like carry it very thousands of pounds warhead. They carry very slowly across the boat. Are they fighting like other people or are they fighting like aliens? Aliens. Okay. I thought it was aliens. aliens. Are there, wait, so what other board games are there? So when Battleship got, there's also uh, two Ouija movies, which was licensed. Oh, I forgot. I feel like that. I guess that tech. I guess we just technically a board game. Oh, this is not a technical. Like it is a licensed no, no, board no, no, no. game. I mean, I guess Ouija. The like where they purchased the license from. I guess that technically is a board game. The second one of those is actually quite entertaining. It's by Mike uh, Flanagan. Oh, I love him. The 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 Hill House guy. Yeah, I I think it's it's better than it has any right to be. It's the sequel, but. Uh, they, they originally, there was a deal that was, I believe four board games, Battleship and Ouija being, is it Ouija or Ouija? I never know. So technically it is we and ya, which is French and German for yes and yes. So like Ouija, I guess technically, but I don't know. Okay. I believe the other two in that deal, and this is going back like 15 years. One of them I think was, well, I'm almost positive was Candyland. Which like, how has that not been a movie yet? Right, that seems like a no-brainer. Uh, but I don't know of any other board game adaptations. Certainly there have been the opposite direction, like the board game version of the movie. Yes. But I don't know how many go on the other way. They've Yeah, they've never gotten the D&D game. Like, you would think, off, like, Candyland to me, out. if you think about, like, class, like board games, Candyland is the first one, like, yeah, it's bright and colorful, it's just kids going through a candy forest to a castle, like, it's a no-brainer. It's got all sorts of weird muckety-muck monsters on yeah, it. Yeah, there's like no... It's it's a no-brainer. I don't get why that has taken so long. Yeah, I don't know why that one is the one that went into development hell, but it is. Have you ever seen... So there's there was this, like, someone did, like, the dark and gritty posters for childhood board games as movies. And... I have seen The this, Hungry yes. Hungry Hippos one is my favorite. Yeah, I would watch that. I would watch... Well, because it, it was, like... It was basically like similar to a Jaws style poster where it's like the hippo coming from underneath and like crashing through the boat, the like Jungle Cruise looking boat and like everyone's flying in the air. I would I would absolutely I would watch that. I, I'm sorry to say I would watch. That. I would watch the hell out of that. But I, it's just so funny that Clue is the first board game adaptation when it is ostensibly the o- one of the only board games that like is replayable because it's different every time. There's not one singular, like, linear plot to it. Right, right. The other thing with Clue is that the board game is not very good. I love Clue. Oh, have you played it recently? Yeah, Jack and I played it. Okay. I I find Clue to be so tedious. It's just like endless circuits around the board to get the clues. And it just, it seems to take a long, long time. I I don't, I'm not a big Clue fan. I like, I also have the Golden Girls Clue, which is who ate the last slice of cheesecake. 
apparently there was a Dungeons and Dragons movie 20 years ago that I have no memory of. Wow, I've never heard of that. And then this list also includes Jumanji, but I would say that is that was ver- that was that was reverse. Exactly. And apparently they made a Warhammer movie 10 years ago that I What's uh, Warhammer? Am isn't that isn't of, Warhammer like a computer game? No, I mean maybe it was as well, but Warhammer was like figurines on a table. Oh, I was thinking like of military Warcraft. combat. Yeah. Anyway, we watched Clue from 1985, another 35th anniversary. So you know what that means. We got to go back. We got to go dissect the 80s. It's your movie concept that shouldn't work. Something's got to be about your movie concept that shouldn't work. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. Mega powers, yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. So let me ask this question to start off. Am I obsessed with this what? movie? Yes. <laughs> well, that that I figured would come up in due time. But what year does this movie take place? Um, so I think technically it takes place in 1954 because they're listening to a very specific. Or no, the, so in the kitchen, the cook, when she's doing the thing in the beginning, she's like sharpening her knife and Tim Curry yeah. comes in. She's watching something on TV that was broadcast in 1954, I want to say. So technically speaking, it is squarely in the 50s. It's just sort of like timeless. Okay. Because I I honestly was trying to figure it out based on the clothes. And then I was like, well, they're all wearing kind of elaborate outfits to try to disguise themselves. I, 50s never even entered the idea. I thought it was genuinely set at the time period it came out. And it was just an old house. Oh, no, no, no. It's, yeah, it's the 50s. That's why there's Russia and there's a communism. Okay. and Well, that stuff persisted for a long time. Yeah, but I don't think 85 was they were talking, they were like, you know, they were going to report me to the House on american Activities Committee in 85. Well, the, well, the thing is, so, so, okay, 85 probably would have been a dumb guess, but like you could have been talking 10 years after about the fact that you were going, you they, you were afraid of this and why the blackmail started, I think is the thing. So I'm it's, it's good to know that I was way off. I did not know or did not remember that uh, Deborah Hill. I the, know producer who was uh alongside john carpenter the responsible for the creation of halloween among many other things and i also didn't know that landis had a story credit on this mm-hmm. which is interesting it's also always I, I i like always wait for the day where it like comes out in some like buzzfeed article that like mel brooks actually ghost wrote this movie because it is the most mel brooksy non-mel brooks movie i've ever i ever i've ever seen yeah it <sighs> It certainly shares a lot of elements with Mel Brooks. I think this is a different kind of funny, though. This really strikes me as, and I don't think it's improv, but it strikes me as really, really good improv. I agree. Like the, the, so the only the, there's only one improv line in this whole movie. Yeah. And we'll get to it if you don't know what line it is. No, I don't. You know 500 times more than I do about this movie. I decided to do no research because I was like, he'll know the answer to almost all of these questions. Yeah, that this I is have. one of my favorite movies ever. Like top five, I, I top 10 for sure. Maybe even top five. Um, I think. So where did it, you come to it? Cause I, I used to watch this pretty regularly because it was nonstop on comedy. Central. I, I remember school. catching it in bits and pieces on comedy central. I mean like, this is, I, I want to know more about this. And then, I think I watched it in high school and then in college. So it's a very campy movie. So like the queer community really soaks it in. Um, Like a lot of times, like if 
if your local town, when in in the after times, when we go back to normal, if there's like a drag queen hosting a movie night about like gay movies, chances are Clue will come up at some point. So like the theater department really glommed on it. So we watched it like once a year in, in one of our movie mm. nights. And it was just this, it, I could tell like, the, this is funny. I don't get everything, but like, I, I get that this is great when I was like younger. And so I just kind of like glommed onto it. This is one of those types of funny movies that people quote the lines out of context to. And that type of referential humor is like, why do we do that kind of stuff too? Mm -hmm. But I feel that this is one of the types of ones that it's like almost never out of context are the lines in this funny. And the only reason it's going to land is if the person you are saying it to has also seen Clue and gets it. Because if you're like... I have done the like one plus two plus one, one plus two plus two plus one uh-huh. plus. Like I've done that. Before I do flames on the side of my adding, face yeah. three times a month. Right, and the, the 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 movie is so tightly written, and this the the script is so important to this movie, and the execution of it is so important to this movie that all these lines become very very quotable. But it's it's funny the the way that this one in particular like. What I guess what I'm trying to say is like on their own out of context, almost none of these lines are funny. And yet in the context of the movie, hysterical. I can see that. I I mean, I think they're funny, but they definitely don't carry the same water as like in their true context. Because there's a few things that I like, I think like you can just take the line and like, oh, I would chuckle. Like I would breathe out my nose a little harder at that. Like flames on the side of my face is a perfect example to me because that's all in the performance. Mm hmm. Like they people use that GIF and stuff of of uh, flame Madeline, Madeline Kahn, like thank you yeah yeah to, like with her hands near her cheeks but the 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 line is hysterical in the movie because of her re- amazing performance but if you if you were just to say like flames on the side of my face it doesn't it doesn't quite land oh, so right like it's so never, much of this stuff if I'm here. quoting this movie it's a full body performance like I fl- flame flames flames. On the side of my face, breath, heaving breath, like I get into it. So maybe that's our difference. Right. But I'm saying if like, if someone watches you do that and they have never seen Clue, they're not going to think it's funny. That's, I guess that's true. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it, I feel that, and I often feel that like an out of context movie line just tossed off to somebody is also sometimes yeah, deeply not funny, but I th- this movie is endlessly quotable and also complete gibberish to to people if you say. It. And I'm I'm notorious for this. If if anyone ever mentions the country of Bolivia, I in my head at minimum am like next time <laughs> next time I say let's go someplace like Bolivia, let's go someplace like Bolivia from Butch Cassidy, and it's like that is just in my brain. Bolivia makes that connection, but it's like no one knows what the hell I'm talking yeah. about, and even if they do, what are you saying, kid? Yeah. So I just I this movie I was texting you while watching it, going like I am genuinely struggling to take notes because they talk so fast. It's I think that's why I love it is that it's it's so tight and fast and. It's an amazing cast. Like the my, truly, the only complaint you can level against this movie is that it's very white. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, but like, it is, it it is, it is brilliantly edited. It is brilliantly acted. Every actor is like hitting their mark and here for it and like elevating. It's one of those because a lot of times I think we talked about this in like Beetlejuice, where like 
normally one character's one actor's kind of like, oh, I'm the one that you're all kind of like re- reaching towards. It's a very much, right. uh, yeah, like you said, improv, yes, and where it feels like every actor is like, oh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna climb ne- the next step. And then Madeline Kahn's like, I'm gonna go up one more step. And they all kind of like work together to get higher. Right. And I do think a lot of the people in this movie, like, wasn't Michael McKeon in that uh, Canadian crew who, the, the not, was it SCTV? I, th- I know he was in Spinal Tap, like the Rob Reiner stuff, but I, he might have also done that there. And that's Mr. But Green, I feel like right? most of these, um, the the one who uh spoiler oh alert, the motorist is the no 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 the FBI guy at the very end who's no 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 he reveals his identity at the very end yeah the the kingdom of heaven oh Mr Green I don't I don't remember what his character was in the movie he's not Colonel Mustard yeah that's Mr Green okay Mr Green Colonel Mustard well his jacket's Plum. not green none of them are wearing their colors trip that's the point okay. Well, Peacock is wearing a peacock feather on her head, and Mrs. White has a big white jacket she takes off. I would say that that's not but true. But she wears black, Scarlet wears green, Peacock wears gold. It's like no one's really wearing their colors. All their cars match their colors, but none of their clothing yeah. does. All right, well, we'll go through the movie now, because we're 20 minutes into this podcast and haven't... It's going to be long-winded, because I, I fucking love this movie. Directed by Jonathan Lynn, who also directed My Cousin Vinny, another fabulous movie that I was just recently watching when I was uh, up at Mom and Dad's and was like, oh, man, this is really fun. And then I remembered like, oh, 92, 93, Marissa Tomei, this is an 80s movie. Damn it. Like, it was like, <laughs> oh, this could be an episode. Now I'm just picturing like how much worse this movie would be with instead of Tim Curry, it was Joe Pesci as Wadsworth. I, I... I don't. I disagree that it would be worse. Oh, it would be a it would worse be different. Movie. I would be different. Butler, I don't sir. know. I think you. I I'm think you underestimate. You underestimate Joe Pesci's comedic sensibilities. No, no. no I, I don't just think watched he's Home not funny. Yesterday. I don't think. I don't think his funny elevates this movie the same way Tim Curry's does. I. I don't disagree that Tim Curry is perfect here. I'm just saying. I don't know that it's ten percent worse with Joe Pesci. It's different. But I don't know if it's ten percent worse. Mm. He's a very. He's I think an he's, no, I think he's life. funny. I don't think his funny vibes with Clue. I I don't disagree with you, but I'm saying there is a good version of Clue with Joe Pesci in this role. Mm-hmm. Is all I'm saying. It exists. He's. A, I believe he is a ferociously underrated actor. I, I think yeah, he doesn't I, get nearly the credit. Yeah, like the only thing watchable about Irishman is Joe Pesci. In I my didn't opinion. bother. Well, you don't like Scorsese. You haven't seen any of his movies. I think I to start with the Irishman would be the equivalent of of watching like, uh, geez, Louise, I can't even think of a problem. It's, it'd be the equivalent of jumping in on the second to last episode of Game of Thrones and being like, all right, let's see what we got yeah. here. And I don't I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I, I, I just mean, feel that that is true. Well, it's, I think it's more that I, I just never I don't actually maybe I've just never seen a, a Scorsese movie. But they always, yeah, that's I they said, always yeah. seem to take themselves very seriously. And like, it always feels like more drama, less comedy. And I, um, yeah, they're not comedy. I know. Yeah. And like, I'm never, I don't often want that. They're brilliant movies about bad people who don't think they're bad people. It's like a very, they're, they're notorious for 
in the same way that people watch Scarface and are just like, Tony Montana is a cool guy. It's like, no, you're missing the point. <laughs> you're missing the point very, very, very aggressively. Like people love the characters in Goodfellas and they think they're like these cool guys. It's like, they're all the worst is people. Is the one with the razor blade in the garlic? The, he's cutting ra- yes, garlic yes. with the razor blade? Okay. I think I've seen I've seen I've seen we're clips get, of Scorsese. I've never seen a full Scorsese. We're we're gonna get so many tweets just like last week when they found out that you hadn't seen uh, what was it? I don't remember. I sent you a picture, Jimmy Stewart. I have seen Mr. Smith. Yeah, I, I have seen Mr. Smith goes to Washington. We watched it in like an AP government class. I just never think okay. about Jimmy Stewart. I guess I'm doing a filibuster. Yeah. You can't stop me. Well, a, I'm reading. I'm reading Encyclopedia Britannica. A friend of mine told me. I think it was a Jimmy Stewart movie about it's these guys. This guy murders a guy and like puts his body in a trunk and has a din- like. There's a dinner party that's like scheduled and like going to be happening, and he murders his friend and like stuffs him in a trunk, and everyone shows up and like, where's the guy? And he has to like pretend all night, and I'm pretty sure it's Jimmy Stewart. The way you're describing that is not ringing a bell to me. Although I'm sure I'm going to find out. It's a movie I've seen twice. Yeah. Anyway, back to the clue. I love the score. So we're it's a great score. Great music. Uh this uh, this opening is very foreboding and and uh, mm-hmm. I, I really like the tone that it sets, which is I think the opposite of what the comedy later is, but is important for sort of scene setting purposes. Yeah. I think it works because to the the characters, it is life or death. So they, yes. it, it's sort of like putting you there even though it is this heightened nonsense reality. So we get Tim Curry doing last minute preparations for people's arrival. He's he throws some meat to some dogs, which is kind of good, uh, a good little bit. And then the arrivals begin. People coming up the house one by one. The house is specifically referred to in dialogue as Hill House, which I thought was really yeah. interesting uh, because that that book had been out for years at that point. So mm-hmm. plus, there's the house on Haunted Hill, which is a different thing, but also evocative. Yeah, I was going to say there's so many Hill Houses. And I started at this point, I was like trying to write down, you know, good dialogue from this movie. And then I was like, this is, this isn't, you're not, you might as well just do a script reading. Instead That's what of I was, I so realized I that like that. maybe a quarter yeah. of my notes are just like r- a version of the quote to jog my memory. So I can like, remember how fun, how much I love, <laughs> I love certain lines. Right. I, this one is one of my favorites and one that I, you know, hadn't remembered, but the, the, why is the car stopped? It's frightened. It's frightened is, is very good. Uh, so we, we, we roll in. We got the usual suspects from A Game of Clue. You're all familiar with Mrs. Peacock and Mrs. Scarlet. Miss, and, so uh, I, I have to say, I think the women, other than, other than Tim Curry, the women in this movie far outshine the men. They get a lot more to do, which is extremely unusual for a movie of this era. And I love Mrs. Peacock's outfit. No, Miss uh, Mrs. Uh, Miss Scarlet's outfit. She comes in in this like alien queen collar. It like stands mm-hmm. up at least six to six to eight inches around her head, and it's this like gorgeous green. And then she has this like slinky little green dress with like a little almost like a boa wrap thing. She's so sultry and so glamorous. I love her because she's also like. A sarcastic bitch. <laughs> uh, and Tim Curry is the butler, so he's you know, greeting all these people. There's a good bit of business with, um, is it when Martin Mull arrives or Michael McKeon, where he's trying to tell him his Martin real name? Mull. And Tim it's because like, Martin Mull's no, the no, first no. person to arrive. So they have okay, to like, he's establish that like, these aren't their real names. These are fake names. Right. Right, right. Because they are pretty goofy names. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 will, I will say, in terms of adaptation, they took three parts of clue that would be not 
really there are only a few parts of Clue I think you could realistically lift to become part of the movie. And it's the character names, the weapons, and the house. Because that's all there is to the game of Clue. Yeah. There's no and, and there's the nothing fact, beyond and, and a murder. Yes, of course, yes. Um, or a missing piece of cheesecake, as it were. Yeah. But despite that, it it doesn't feel bogged down. It doesn't feel corny. The, the, the part that would feel the corniest, I think, is when they get the weapons later. And it, it to me, it doesn't feel corny because of the way they do it, which is very specific in the box shapes, which I think is a good a good thing. Yeah, because I, I feel like if it was like they all were like alone, alone in separate rooms and like someone found a candle and like someone reaches under the sink and pulls out a pipe and it, like that would be stupid. But it, yes. it's all very heightened and camp and drama. Right. So we all get in the house. We get you get the usual suspects here and. Uh, just a truly amazing performance top to bottom from the cast. But obviously Tim Curry is the, the straw that stirs the drink in this case. He is. He, he, it's, it's, I think this might be my favorite Tim Curry performance. It's definitely mine. It's, it's so invested and lived in and, and um, dedicated. It feels like he's there and you're like, oh, yes. It it feels as if he got this script six months prior and then spent the next six months learning every. It feels like he wrote it. It feels like he. Lines. It's so it's so with ingrained that he's like, oh no, I wrote like this. I wrote it. That's why I get it. Yeah, but beyond that, it feels like he could do everyone's lines mm-hmm. because at some points he kind of does. At the end of the movie, he, he kind of does do everyone's. The lines. last like twenty minutes of him or so of him recapping everything is brilliant. Hmm. So we, we get down to dinner and we have a, a slurp off. It's so soup. great. And it's just heightening the absurdity of this this room where these people don't know each other. Their host isn't there to explain why they're all at the same party. And so it's just it heightens the awkwardness and the awkward silence of, of chewing sounds. Christopher Lloyd like, first. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd first. And then Madeline Kahn kind of gives him a side eye and it's like, well, I guess. OK. And then also gives a. And so it's just them yeah. back and forth and cut to the other side of the table, spoon halfway to the mouth, jaw dropped, like, what? Yeah, it's it's excellent stuff. And uh, Christopher Lloyd, I'm glad you said his name because I want to talk about that too. He is so different from type in this movie and yet still so good. Because mm-hmm. I my, my two... The two Christopher Lloyd performances I go to in my head, and there are many great ones, but obviously Doc Brown, no brainer. And the other one being The Dip. Oh, uh, Judge Doom. Judge Doom, thank you. They're both of a similar ilk sort of origin. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Would you, would you, you know, it's like he, they're, they're, they're very big performances. They're playing to the last row. This one, way, way more compressed, but still fabulous. Like, really, really shows his range as an I actor. Think they, I think it feels like they were like, hey, gents, you three have to play to the front row because we got Madeline Kahn, Eileen Brennan, and Leslie Ann Warren playing for the check cashing place down the street. We can't, you right. can't all six do it. <laughs> And meanwhile, Tim Curry is playing for near Pluto. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Tim Curry can be seen from space. <laughs> Tim Curry can be seen from distant galaxies that aren't, ad- that aren't even adjacent to this one. So we we do dinner and we're all we're all sitting around the table. And at this point, I'm like, 
I haven't seen Clue in at least 10 years. It might be really? 15, honestly. Yeah, a really long time for me. And I it's funny, I remembered liking it, but never went back and revisited. And I was I was enjoying this so much because one, I really enjoy parlor mysteries, but the only parlor mysteries that really get made and are out there are very old Agatha Christie and uh Agatha Christie's great though, man. No, no, no. I'm saying the adaptations are old. Oh, So yeah. it's like actors I'm unfamiliar with, done in a style I don't super care for. There's the and new done one. I think the I new one's coming soon, right? Is that so I, I tried to watch that uh, Murder on the Orient Express with so Kenneth Branagh. It was so it good. It didn't do it for me. Really? It didn't do it for me. Yeah, no. Like Knives Out really blew my hair back. And so I had watched that and I was like, you were talking about how much you like Murder on the Orient Express. I was like, all right. So it might have just been that I had just watched Knives it's Out very and it different. was bad timing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's similar in that you have to pay attention to everything. Like you need to absorb literally right. everything on the screen at every second. But it's it's very different than that. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And it's 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 Poirot. It's like a different style entirely to, you know, Daniel, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Craig's sawed off Foghorn Leghorn business, you know, all that. So it's it's just it was different, but it just it didn't hit for me at the moment. But I like I loved Agatha Christie. We saw the Uh, mousetrap. I love Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Mousetrap I found super, super fun. But Mousetrap felt very clue like to me because they're sort of set in the same period. Mm -hmm. Actually, the other thing I was thinking of while watching this, in addition to it reminding me of the time we saw Mousetrap, was how much the style of this reminded me of the play you directed. The the name I never remember. Noise is off. I got there just the same time. (laughs) Um, But I just the style of the comedy is that like sort of French door farce. Yeah, it's very it's it is not a word is wasted. Not an inch of that script is 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 fluff. It's something I really enjoy, but something I only want to have on rare occasions because it's, I just, it's like, uh, you know, cumin, right? Like you want some cumin in your dish, but you don't want to eat a bowl of cumin. That's sort of how I feel about it. Fair. Similarly in comedy, if you want something fun to check out, there's a, if you, I think it's still on YouTube. It's Peter Pan goes wrong. There's a series of plays called the play that goes wrong. And -hmm. some of them are like actual like they take peter pan they take christmas carol and then sometimes they like write original plays that go wrong and their marketing is great because all of the posters are cut off or like like the typeface is completely wrong and it's just like you're like it gives you like wow who screwed that up and then you're like oh it's the play that goes wrong and it's an hour hour and a half i want to say of like everything that can go like it's this brilliantly choreographed routine of like this isn't real. That's real. If someone breaks through the door, so the bed, the bunk beds fall down. It is, it's, it is a treat. Nice. I'll have to look that up. I, I think, um, I think I saw that recently in like YouTube suggestions or something like that. Probably. Did you catch where Christopher Lloyd? So this, so they all start. It starts to trickle out little by little bits of information about who they really are, because they've been all told like, don't discuss. You're having. You're given a pseudonym. Like no one knows who you are. And so they're all sort of slowly figuring out little things like letting slip like, oh, I'm the wife of a and then she cuts cuts herself off and you find out she's the wife of a senator. Did you catch where Christopher Lloyd works? Yeah, he works for the the U.N. No, he works for, you know, who the United Nation Organization, World Health Organization. Oh, yes. So we do all this business. Everybody starts to reveal like, oh, what do you do? What do you do? And it learns, oh, we all work in Washington and are connected there in some way. That must be why we're here. And then Instroll is leaving who, uh, well, let me hit that better. Lee 
Ving mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> into the end of the movie as the uh, titular or not titular, but the Mister Body. And you, if you're a listener of this show, would recognize him from uh, Flashdance, also available on our Patreon page, uh, as well as Streets of Fire, but not his voice. He, it's not his voice in Flashdance, really. Who dubs him? Uh, that I don't know offhand, but I do know that uh, I don't remember why they they did it, but they dubbed his voiceover. I'm also pre- I completely didn't notice it, and I feel like I noticed those things more than the average That's person. That's weird because yeah, it's it 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 feels slightly off, like ever so slightly. But apparently, he was only hmm. cast because his name is leaving. <laughs> That's funny. He's also a member of the band Fear who uh, I mostly know because they got kicked off SNL permanently after they almost destroyed the set in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anyway, he distributes a bunch of letters, and they all lay out what people are being blackmailed for, and Tim Curry starts reading them, uh, you know, out to everybody, explaining what the business is, and then uh, Michael McKeon jumps in and is like, well, my letter's in there because I'm a homosexual, and that would be a huge problem at the State Department. Because it's 1954. Right. And so, like, everyone, I also like that, like, I appreciate that punchline, because it is, it's not, like, as, as gross as I feel like other movies of the 80s would have made that punchline. Because, like, he sits back down, and Christopher Lloyd instantly gets up and, like, walks away from him, and I'm like, okay, sure, that's kind of funny. Yeah, and it's, that's sort of the extent of it. Yeah, it, like, well, there's, so there's little bit, there's little sprinkles of his homosexuality throughout this movie, and you have to be eagle-eyed and catch them. Oh, I more meant the uh, the homophobia thing. Oh, there's not a lot more homophobic stuff in the movie. Yeah, no, it's more it's more just like, hey, he's gay. Remember that? Yeah, keep this in mind for later. Uh, I also really like the bit where Mister Body tries to leave. Tim Curry's chasing him, and he gets to the garden or the I guess it's the conservatory the conserv- in the board game. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, and and he goes to smash a window, and the do- the big Dobermans come up like, Arr! yeah, that was fun. Like, well. I fed them earlier. Now they've come back around as Chekhov's Doberman. <laughs> a real quick, a real quick use of that. Um, and the Miss Scarlet, because they're all like saying like, "Oh, I didn't do this. I'm being blackmailed, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it." And Miss Scarlet goes, "Well, uh, what did she say?" She goes, "Not me." And they go, "You're not being blackmailed." She's like, "No, I'm being blackmailed, but I did it." And she says, "I run a specialized hotel and telephone service that connects men with the company of a young lady for a short while." <laughs> I really enjoy the one for Mrs. White where they talk about beheading and uh, I guess bepenising. I don't know what the term would be. Castration? Uh, for uh, There you go. I like bepenising. But all of the men crossing <laughs> yeah. their legs simultaneously after that. He was that found is, without is really his head and his business. and she like points, points, da- points south and there's all three men on the couch like slowly cross their legs. It's great. It's the same leg in the same direction. It's all really well directed. Mm-hmm. I honestly think there are a bunch of parts of this movie that have choreography. I guess it's blocking technically because you're not talking about dance, but the blocking no, is so intense. It's choreography it's like at this point. Dance. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what I was trying to say is it, it's the blocking is so complicated that it's basically choreographed movement and it's wildly impressive. The, the synchronicity of people and mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, because a lot of the, the last thing, third of this movie is literally the entire cast running left to right across your screen and for repeating minutes. things right it, i think it's what's great is that this it, it's almost like a musical like the dialogue is so fast that you kind of have to treat it like a song and find and like find the rhythm and find the the where yeah. the cadence would go 
because um, so many of these jokes only work because they are like like because they're layered right. and almost on top of each other but just clo- just shy yeah i have to imagine there were many takes of many of these scenes because the dialogue is so complicated and the takes are done or the the performances are so fast mm-hmm. it just seems like you'd really struggle with a lot of this. one of my favorites is what madeline Kahn talks about her late husband and she says he threatened to kill me in public and uh miss carla goes why would he want to kill you in public yeah yeah, there's a lot of jokes in this that I recognize as like, oh, there's a there's a piece of your sense of humor. There's a piece of your sense of humor. Uh-huh. It's a matter of because, like I said, death, this was after on. He died. I had a life. <laughs> this this movie was on Comedy Central every single afternoon. Basically, it must have cost nothing to to. License. Well, this a movie. It tanked. It tanked. Right. Well, I I will say the idea of of go, having to go to the movies three times to get all three endings I think sounds rad as but, hell. But an execution sounds torturous. I don't think that was the point. They didn't want you to go three times because it wasn't like your movie well, theater they, got. Th- they were like they sent ending A to the northeast. They sent ending B to this to the Midwest. Oh, that's that's not the that's not the way I interpreted it from reading it online. Oh, I was under the impression that it was like each the, the theater didn't know what version they got. No, because your ticket said version A, version B, or version C. I didn't hear that. Where was that? On the Wikipedia. Oh, I don't remember reading that. So let me pull up this. Oh, man, is it dead? So, it, th- so I can't find the Ebert review. It's not coming up, but it says some theaters announced which ending the viewers would see. And I feel like I've seen pictures of the Clue theater listing that had C ending A. Oh, I, I, I had never heard that. Because to me, it seems like, yes, it's a creative thing that people, you know, somebody like us could be like, oh, man, this is so cool. This is a cool idea. And then the studio heads are like, yeah, and they have to go see it three times. Uh Chomp, 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 chomp on the cigar. Yeah, I think people just didn't get it. And then like, but can you imagine if you didn't realize that? Because I was I was heard about it as like they didn't realize there were different endings. So like. You could pick up a New York Times and read the review, like, oh, I saw that Clue movie this weekend. And then, like, you're like, that didn't happen when I saw the movie. Yeah, I think that would have potentially happened if they weren't really aggressive about explaining that stuff, which leads me to believe that they, I think they did. I'm trying to find it while we're talking here because uh, I want to be more accurate. But I, I swear that I have read about this before and and there were theater listings that explained but yeah this was a huge it, it did not make its bu- budget back it was it was a big failure it's a shame because sure. it, it is like heavy hitters in the comedy world and they're all firing on yeah all no cylinders. it's a bunch of big names uh so basically mr basically wadsworth tim curry reveals that he's the one who invited everyone because mr body is blackmailing them all and he's like we can all join together and fight him and so mr body mr body gets his uh, beautiful like crocodile skin suitcase from the hall and hands out the black boxes. And inside each box is one of the classic clue weapons. And he's like, basically the only people who know anything are us in this room. So if we kill Wadsworth, we don't have to say anything to the police when they show up in 45 minutes. So take your pick. And he turns off the lights, lights come back on and he's dead. So this is the quote from Ebert. I found it. My obligation now is to tell you which of the three endings you should try to see, but that will be harder than it sounds. It was, I was informed that newspaper ads for the movies will contain the letters A, B, or C, denoting which ending is being shown. Oh, uh, yeah, I had never heard that. 
And then the other thing is this quote from the director, Jonathan Lynn. John Landis thought it would be a really great box office. He thought what, what would happen was that people, having enjoyed the movie so much, would go back and pay again to see the other endings. The audience decided that they didn't know which ending to go to, so they just didn't go. <laughs> yeah. Which I honestly, like, like imagine trying to explain this to your mom. And I mean that in the, like... The royal view. <laughs> the... The, the royal you like imagine trying to explain okay so there's three different versions of the end of the movie and depending on which one you go to the movie ending is completely different and so if you didn't like the ending you could ch- technically go again to a different one and see a different ending like that sounds like gibberish it does you're right yeah and and the other thing that i think would like if you explain that concept to me in the abstract i would think well the movie must not do a very good job of storytelling if by the end there isn't one obvious answer to the puzzle and therefore maybe they're all bad would be my instinct. And like that th- it doesn't really matter because this is a comedy, you know what yeah. I mean? But if but like it is but if, there, if you it, it is so I think that you would normally like if this movie were made today, it would I a, they, I keep seeing that they're going to reboot it with like Ryan Reynolds and bullshit. Don't. Get the fuck out of here. Don't you dare. But like, I think I think he is probably the person who would most give a shit about this version of it to remake it. Just FYI, I agree with you, but I'm just saying. Well, my friends and I were talking about like if if we you know because we do we play the game sometimes like gun to your head you have to recast this like even though it's like this is per- something that like we already love as is like hocus pocus like don't remake it don't remake it but like if you had to, and I think we said that Catherine O'Hara would be a great Miss Peacock, and um. It's surprising to me that she's not in this. To be yeah, honest with you. it it feels it feels very her wheelhouse. Like exactly the right time frame. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to some plot stuff here. So we uh, we have a bit of a scuffle, and the lights go out, just like in wrestling. And oops, Mister Body's on. Well, Mister Bo- no, Mister Body turns the lights out. Then there's a scuffle. He says, "Yes." You can well, there's kill there's also a Three Stooges fight. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. You're right. There is a Three Stooges fight where Madeline Kahn knees him in the in the wee woo. Right. So I guess we didn't say that. We did mention out in the weapons all get handed out, and that's the point where Leaving's character is like, if if one of you kills Mister Wadsworth, Tim Curry, then uh, we're all out of here, scot free. And he turns the lights off. Gunshot. Lights back on. Oh, Mister Body's on the floor. Mm-hmm. And but they can't figure out how he died because it wasn't a gunshot. The gun, the bullet is all the way over on the other side of the room and they can't figure it out. And they're like, maybe he was poisoned as Miss Peacock is like drinking the brandy. And so she has a freak out. Mr. Green slaps her and is like, I had to stop her from screaming. Uh, at this point, it's revealed that Yvette, the maid, is next door listening, a, listening into this conversation, recording. recording it on a tape. Mm-hmm. I was listening. That's another one I quote all the time. <laughs> so uh it's like it, it's really hard to describe the plot of this because everything happens so quickly but this is where we have one dead body christopher lloyd examines mr body he's dead we go talk to a vet and then we go find the cook right after that i think they yeah so, so they go back to mr they go back to this to the study and then they say the cook and so they all run and run to the kitchen where they discover the cook is dead she falls out of the freezer and someone says, why would they want, who would want to kill the cook? And Miss Scarlet goes, dinner wasn't that bad. <laughs> She's the best. Yeah, she is very funny. 
I also love the part where Martin Mull is sort of examining her and he goes, don't touch her. And then he proceeds to just wrap his hand around the knife handle. And then Madeline Kahn does it. It's like a bunch of people do it. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought, like I said, it had been so long since I've seen, I've seen this. I was like, oh, maybe that comes back into play later. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But it is a cool moment that you're like, oh, a lot of people touch it. Uh, right. And they get that, then he turns on Miss White, Madeline Kahn. We get the classic line that men are like clean. Men should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable. Husbands. Husbands should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable. And flies are where men are most vulnerable. So we go back. Mister Body is gone, <laughs> and they so they're carrying the cook two two at the she, like she's horizontal, two at her arms, two at her legs, and they see someone sees Mister Body's gone, drops the left arm, and then the person holding the right arm goes <gasps> and also drops that, and she just face plants. It's a really solid thunk noise. Whoever was doing the sound design. Uh-huh. So Miss um, Peacock is like, I, I want to go, I need to go to the bathroom. And then Mr. Body's body falls out of the bathroom at her. Uh, this this is one of my favorite jokes in the whole thing, which is, oh, she's going to faint and it's fallen <laughs> into my arms. And 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 Mrs. Peacock just like, f- she goes, she limps him. She goes straight down. Right. And then this is immediately preceded by her like trying to get angry and and the hat keeps flopping over her into her face. <laughs> and so she's like fighting the hat and trying to get angry. And it's, like an exact emotion I've had before where it's like, I'm just trying to open the valve and yell so I can just let it all out. And I, something is preventing me from getting my good yell going. And I just, I'm like, and then you end up with the Joe Pesci of like, like, yeah, it's very good. Um, so Mr. Body is now officially dead. Tim Curry goes, I'm shouting, I'm shouting, I'm shouting. And then a vase falls over or the candlestick falls over and hits him in the head. So he's knocked out. Yes, it was it was propped over the door like the bad bucket of water gag that they do on children's cartoons. Yes. And in reality, it's just really dangerous. Yes. Um, and this is where we get the motorist that we alluded to earlier, whose car broke down. Right. And wants right. to use the phone. So they lock him into the, the library. No, that it it's the, the lounge. No, this. Okay, okay. And they lock all. They have like a, a secretary's desk. Is that what they're called? A roll top. Yeah. And so they lock all the weapons in there. And they throw the key away. I guess it's not a roll top desk. I guess oh, it it's is, just like a. It's just like yeah, cabinet. it's just like an armoire. I'm yeah. picturing it folding out. So they lock him in, and then Miss Martin Mull's like he looks he looks into the study, and they're like, "What? What's wrong?" He goes, two bodies. We're all good here." And I love his pour of whi- He starts to pour whiskey. <laughs> I was gonna. Yeah. He like it's like four like it's like a set with like the decanter and the, and the glasses around it. And he pours himself. He goes, "Does anyone else want one?" And this general like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And he just like. Sl- it's just who waves it he waves it. it at it and it's just like pouring like a little kid making breakfast in bed it's great yeah it's it's the way you would pour liquid into like a large pan where if you're like oh i'm putting some soy sauce on this yeah or i'm putting some soy sauce on this pot of rice let me like shake 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 <laughs> trying to spread it out except it's whiskey into glasses and then everyone starts fighting and mrs white smashes her glass <laughs> on the uh the fireplace yeah, it's lovely. The only thing that I, like, one of the very few things where I'm like, oh, they, you could have done a little more hiding, is if she threw it into the fire and it whooshed. Oh, yeah, they could have whooshed. Yeah, would have been neat, but that's, that's an extremely minor equipment. Uh-huh. And so they decide that they have to split up into pairs and search the house, so they're going to, you know, draw matches. And But first, 
Yvette says, like, I'm scared of the dark. Will someone come with me? And Martin Mull and Professor Plum go, I will. And there's a beat. And Mr. Green just goes, no, thank you. And walks away. <laughs> yeah. I do really enjoy this splitting up sequence where we, we start to explore the house. We do. He does. A, they, they get a lot out of mileage out of, like, cutting the matches to they size. Do. And then and then, you know, pairing off the people. The only thing I would say is I. I do wish that there was a little more house that we got to see because the part of the draw of a clue movie, I feel is getting to see the clue mansion Mm -hmm. and we see most of it, but not all of it. And so uh, Christopher Lloyd and Mrs. Peacock are in the basement. Uh, There's not enough secret passageway stuff is what I feel like there was, there's the one good secret passageway gag, but I feel that you need at least two secret passageways. Well, there are two secret passageways they explore. Right, but the, I, I'm I'm specifically saying like a, not just like oh there's a secret passageway, but like the gag of like the revolving fireplace and then they oh, okay. find the dead motorist is a fun bit of business. I would have liked. I mean, I guess maybe maybe two you take away from both of them, but I feel like I, I could have could have had a little more of that to uh t- and, and enjoyed it as well. I agree. It's f- so this whole set was a it was a real mansion except for the ballroom, which was a studio. And that's why only Mrs. Peacock oh, okay. and Martin Mull see it because there it wasn't actually part of the house. Interesting. So did that, did that door lead to like a pantry or something? Well, I don't think you ever see the door. You only see oh, it from okay. inside the ballroom. You see them open it and come into the room, but you never see it from got the it, hallway. Got it. But you do see the door, don't you? I don't think you do because it's like there's the staircase okay. and then... A lot of oh, it's like kind of behind it's, the it's staircase, like behind the staircase where like okay. the kitchen area okay. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I was I was picturing it incorrectly. Um, Yvette is just holding her giant matchstick in front of her like it's a like it's a magic wand. It's it's uh-huh. a great bit of business. Real Harry Potter energy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I th- these the I, these pairings are really fun. The actors in in it's, them it's are, smart. are really really fun. And it's it's nice to it, it's basically what you have to do in your ensemble, which is like, all right, we got everybody, we got everybody, everybody. And it's like we gotta let this breathe like a little bit before we wind the action down because it's like we gotta we gotta figure this out. So I think they paired perhaps the all of the pairings. I think are the most interesting versions of it. Like I, I could have seen other ones that worked well, yeah. but in this way, all of them are good. Mm-hmm. You know what Definitely, I mean? For sure. Um, a mysterious uh, gloved hand destroys all the evidence that they were holding. Um, right, right. Takes the weapons and then kills the motorist. Mysterious. Did you catch that the phone number was only six digits? No, I didn't. Only six? The num the number on the phone is only six. Yeah, phone numbers didn't get to their length that they are I now. Thought they were, for, like, I thought it was seven. For, I, did, I thought it was like seven and then became ten. I mean, the original the original phone numbers were single digits how there were nine phone numbers 10 i guess yeah zero and then they and then the 10th yeah, yeah like the, they started they started aside for my understanding of it they started assigning numbers it might have been two digits but it was it was you started at zero or zero is the operator so then one became a number uh well because I, I remember i remember, I remember reading this. that for a while you didn't actually dial that's why old phones are just the like the listen to the listen right. cone and the talking to right you, a switchboard operator physically would connect yeah. the two things with the line and then listen in. uh there's a really f- there's a really good movie on amazon prime called the vast of night which is a ufo movie set in the 1950s oh, fun. uh it's 
highly, highly recommend. It's very excellent. I might have written about it in one of our emails, but there a lot of it takes place with a switchboard operator and it, you know, people call up and like, hey, I'm trying to reach Mary Lou Benton in, in Thomasville. And she's like, hold on, click, click. And then she like has to ring into a different switchboard operator and then they're physically Moving plugging switches. and unplugging quarter inch. Yeah. Those ladies No, they're plugging yeah, that's the like the ox. It looks like they're giant ox cables. They're ox cables. Yeah, they are. They're like click, click, click. Uh, but anyway, before I forget to finish the anecdote, when I was in high school, we were doing. I was working on the yearbook as part of a class that I was in, and we were looking at old yearbooks. And there were two digit. There was a place with a two digit phone number in Downingtown, and it was like dial fifty five. And wow. I was like, wait a minute, what? And then that's that's true. Like phone numbers slowly expanded. Oh. I just know those tel- those those telephone those wire ladies. They knew everybody's business. Well, of course, yeah. That's part of Vast of Night is the listening in business. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a a Spanish language show about that. I think they're called cable. I think it's called Cable Girls. Yeah, that's on Netflix. I want to say mm-hmm. uh, there's a great four way pratfall where um, Mr. Green, Yvette. Wadsworth and Mrs. White are all running to the stairs and all four of them just collapse and go like ass over tea kettle. A big pile of arms and elbows. Mm-hmm. Because Miss Scarlet and and Colonel Mustard have discovered the secret passageway and then discovered the dead motorist, but now they're locked in the room because they had locked the motorist in the room and the secret passageway is gone. Apparently the phone numbers started with four digits, is this saying on here? Hmm. I mean, I guess that makes sense to you because all the phone numbers are three, three, four now. So right. maybe they all had four and they had, they're like, oh, we have too many numbers. I assume no one is coming to this podcast for phone number history. So if we're wrong, I mean, if you are, feel free tweet to at us, us and like, how did you find us for that? But, you know, please go ahead and, and, and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, but I, my, my, Okay, when telephone numbers were first used, they were between one and three digits and communicated orally to a switchboard operator. That's a solid source. I'm ending this yeah. quest there, and we're moving them back to Clue. So everyone's at the door trying to unlock it, and they can't find the key. So Yvette runs to the weapons cabinet and gets the gun and accidentally fires a shot up into the chandelier and then just fires shots wildly into the door and says, Come out, the door's open. <laughs> Uh, the shot overhead crane shot of the spinning chandelier wire it's as it brilliant. slowly starts to go. So good looking. The only thing would have been better is if it did land on someone and we got a great dummy death. Yeah, I don't think that's this movie. No, it's not. But I, I would have enjoyed it. If only Canon had made a clue. <laughs> oh my God. And they dropped a chandelier. <laughs> I need a chandelier falling on someone produced by Canon Films. The only other thing I think would have made it, made it cool is if they had done like a shot of i don't know how i don't know how they would have done it but if it was like a top-down shot of the chandelier like directly above and it's the camera was spinning with the chandelier so the room was kind of spinning i think that would have been cool you you could do that now i'm not sure you could do that then but yeah yeah, it would have been cool as hell um so at this point the cop arrives uh because he discovered the motorist's car right which which is hilariously hung up yeah, it looks like it looks like you're on like the tram tour at Universal and they're like someone yes. someone had a little car trouble and it's like very clearly looked- on like <laughs> fake rocks and raised. Yes. 
and one wheel is like slowly <laughs> one wheel is spinning. just slowly going just one yeah yeah honestly it looks like if you're ever doing video game driving and you're like you're, you're trying to go up and down a mountain and you do the switchbacks to get up the mountain and then to get down the other side you're like straight line <laughs> yes, it is. just floor it and just sometimes you get hung up on a rock so everyone's nervous about the cop because there's a dead body mr green tries to like two dead, two dead bodies. bodies three dead bodies <laughs> there's a lot it's of dead cook, people in this mr house body this and the driver um and mr green tries to confess and everyone's like shut the fuck up nerd and so they lock the <laughs> officer in the library and tim curry says Have, help yourself to a drink not the brandy just in case and shuts the door <laughs> just in case what i also really like when tim curry shuts the door and locks him in there doesn't the door disappears the the library is great the door disappears Mm -hmm. so he's in there and the the phone rings and it's j edgar hoover apparently the i guess that is also which i guess is a good clue for when when it happens place yeah um so they're all like we have to do something because the cop's gonna get suspicious so they it is the my favorite like one of my favorite bits in this movie is this like vin- these two little vignettes they create in the room so they're like we're going to hold the cook's body up and Miss Peacock's going to stick her arms through so behind through the yes. curtain while Martin Mull makes it's- out with her and then it's uh it's the gag from whose line is it anyway or uh, the improv game which they haven't I never did but I which I assume is cuz they didn't want to make people touch each other who weren't familiar but the person in front sort of does a superman pose and the person in behind sticks through. the arms through yeah uh Mrs. White makes out with the dead Mr. Body and then they cover the motorist in liquor and put a hat on him and then Miss Scarlet and Professor Plum make out yeah, it's very. And then the third one, Mr. Body, they just dumped whiskey. No, 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 all that's the motorist. Him. Mrs. White's making oh, the out motorist, with Mr. Motorist. Body. That's right, that's right. But they just dumped a bunch of whiskey on this poor fella and stuck a bottle in his hand. Cops like, he's dead drunk. And they're like, he sure You're is. dead right. So uh, the lights go back out again as they start exploring the mansion. And then Yvette gets murdered by a very throaty, whispering person. Yeah. And then the cop gets murdered. I will say there is one moment in this movie where I was like, all right. And that's where Yvette the maid is running down the stairs <laughs> and it is shot in the most leering male gazy way possible. Like this woman's wearing sort of like a she's, bustier. She's wearing the a, porn uh, version of a French maid outfit. Yeah. I mean, she's got like a corset. So like her, she is very cinched in she's tight and everything and, is up and, near her throat and the goodies are up and up and out and ready for display and there's like a flouncy like ballet skirt but they make this poor woman like jump run down the stairs in heels which is a very challenging thing to do and they shoot her from between like it's a chest up shot so it's just this woman's breasts in the well, frame so and it's I was colleen like, camp the mom from valley girl Right. Yes, it is. She's sh- not the mom. She's not the mom. She is the valley girl. She's Julie? Yeah. I don't think she's Julie. I'm pretty sure she's the mom. No, <laughs> Julie is in this movie. They came out like a year apart from each other. Hold. Julie's mom is a vet from Clue. It's my note from Valley Girl. Okay. But Deborah Foreman is the actress who's in Clue. And Deborah Foreman is Julie. No, Deborah Foreman's not Julie. Well, I guess you're right and I'm wrong, but I, I what I must have been watching something else that Deborah Foreman was just in then. It was you know what you were watching? Grizzly. 
Yep, that's what it was. Thanks. That's very helpful. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what it was. Yes, for the bonus episode coming later, Maybe. we did watch the movie Grizzly. Thank you. Yep, okay. Now my brain is corrected. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, we're all good then. But yeah, so anyway. she showed up to the audition. But it just—that's the only part where I was like, "Okay, what are we doing well, so here?" So she showed up to the audition in the maid outfit because she wanted the part so bad. Nice. I don't remember who the other two actresses are who were up for the, for the role, but she was like, "No, I want this. I'm going to show up in the stupid little maid outfit." Um, but yeah, she gets she gets attacked, and the cop gets attacked, and then we have the scene that is burned into my brain for whatever reason, most specifically, which is I am a singing, singing telegram, telegram. <laughs> and then the immediate bullet. It's it's perfect. But there's this great like Morticia Adams light. So there's like extreme like almost crash zooms on every character in this Morticia Adams lighting, where it's just a stripe of light across the eyes, and everything else is shadow darkness. Yeah, no, it's it rules. It's super creepy and super fun. But I I do want to make sure we don't gloss over my sneaky favorite Tim Curry bit of business in this movie, which is when he goes into the shower and he (laughs) thinks it's a door handle and turns some douses himself right in the face. His little like sort of reaction of like 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 startled and hands up to the face like trying to protect yourself and then like realizing what he's done and turning the shower off. Yeah, it's very very and then he's wet for the rest of the movie. Right. Yeah, he's this poor man. Like that's I was thinking about the logistics of Tim Curry needing to be wet for the rest of the movie. It's like it must have been two weeks where they're like, All right, Tim, time to dump a gallon of water over your head. He's like a wrestler going to the <laughs> ring. And this is another one of my I keep By God, that's Tim Curry's music. He's soaking wet. I'm now I'm picturing it's it's Frankenfurter versus Legend with Wadsworth <laughs> as like the announcer. Versus Pennywise. Versus Pennywise. It's a three-way dance. <laughs> so another again, I, I have so many favorite bits. All the lights come back on, and they like very. It looks like the mo- the the hungover walk of shame after Halloween. Like it is that level of yes. like tired, slow slog. And they like. It looks like you and me leaving our brother's fortieth birthday the next day. <laughs> Yes, so many things. <laughs> just like we've made terrible choices. Terrible choices. So they all like slowly shuffle up to the cop or to Yvette, and they're like, <sighs> and then they all slowly shuffle over to the cop and see he's dead, and it's just like, okay, and it's just <laughs> no reaction at this point. Right. Right. So this is the this is where this movie really Shines. lands, and and it, it's very good all the way through. I I like this movie very very much, and it was super fun to revisit it. But this is the part that I remembered, and it's as I alluded to earlier, it is literally just Tim Curry basically throwing a lasso around the rest of the cast, putting the rope over his shoulder, and being like, "I'm carrying you all the rest of the way. Here we go. <laughs> you better <laughs> keep he's up." Just, he he he's incredible in this last twenty minutes. I, you cannot say enough it's good a things class. about this. You can think this movie sucks. You shouldn't. That's How fine. dare you? <laughs> I disagree with you, but you can think that. But there is no criticism to be levied at this incredible bit mm-hmm. here. Like, he nails it, is totally, totally committed, and is the only reason this works. Yeah, and I love the traveling music, because every time they run, there's this little, like, little sting. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. It's very good. There's some great lines. So and so, Mr. C- Colonel Mustard was walking in the door. I know because I was there. And then, yes. T- to make a long story short, too late. 
Nah. So he basically runs through the whole evening and recaps the movie that you have been watching by himself as a one-man play. Mm. And uh, then we get to the part where we're is committing crimes. So throwing, is this when... He's throwing Mr. Green around like a prop. Yes. He throws him in the bathroom and then runs away to like continue recapping. And then Mr. Green casually comes out. There's a flush sound and he comes out like drying his hands on a towel. And I love the part where Martin Mull has his hand out for a different reason next to Michael McKee <laughs> in there. And he hands him the towel and Martin Mull does like, oh, thanks. And then he realizes what the towel is and is like, what? And just like hucks it back into the bathroom. It's a very good little little thing between the two of them. Uh, he reveals um, that Yvette is a murderer. This is ending A, right? So we should we should so pause. I don't know when technically ending A starts. Okay. So um, I think that the divergent point would have to be the bathroom. He does this whole recap, the bathroom thing, and then there's the hard cut back to Tim Curry. Yeah, that's probably right. So 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 we did talk about this earlier, but basically there's the original incarnation of this movie, which I guess what it, it's about 93 minutes now. It probably would have been closer to 80 yeah, because it was wouldn't short. have had because well, I also so I I think if you have the DVD you can you can do random, and it will only play one random ending. Oh, okay. That's cool. Or you can play it how it is for most standard home releases, where it just is A, B, and then C, I imagine. So yeah. I don't know if... Because C is the final one. I don't know if they like took like re- repetitive bits from A and B out. So that they probably they probably put yeah you're you're definitely right there's definitely some of this stuff that's in all of them but I still imagine you're looking at an 85 minute yeah, movie instead of 93 or whatever side. it is yeah not I mean that's a perfectly reasonable no. length for a movie but it's just it's interesting yeah. yeah so anyway so so this is ending A that we're going to talk about first here obviously and then we'll go in order Yvette is a murderer she killed Mr Body and another great line where someone's like I'm confused about one thing one thing. Um, so it, it all, all of the endings lead to, well, whomever has the gun is the killer. And in this version, she pulls Miss it out. Scarlet it pulls it out of her purse. And this is where we get, like you said before, there's no bullets left in that gun. One plus two plus two plus one. No, it was one yeah. bullet fired earlier. That makes it one plus two plus one plus one. No, that's one plus one plus two plus one. Not one. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's. In the context, hysterical. Like I, I remembered that that was coming. I remembered the addition thing, and I was still laughing at it very much. But then I was just like, "Oh man, I've I've definitely like had this thought, calculating a tip or doing a whatever." Like, oh yeah, the, that's the, the perfect time to do it when someone's like, "How much does that cost?" And like, one plus two plus two right. plus one. Right, right. Um. So Miss Scarlet goes to escape, and then the cavalry, cavalry, the cavalry shows up. Cavalry. Yeah, all the cops come rushing in, and it's like at the end of Christmas Vacation. It is exactly like a swarm that. of cops. Um, so Tim Curry wrestles the gun away from her, and he's like, anyways, like I said, no bullets are left in this gun. And then one fires off at the chandelier, and Miss Scarlet has the best, like, I told you so face as soon as the bullet yes. goes off. And doesn't he start counting on his fingers? <laughs> so okay. I can't... I can't. One plus two plus <laughs> Yeah. And then... I, the, it's... It's just uh, again, it's like, a great you just bit. can't say enough good things. To, but I'll, I'm just talking about Tim Curry in this oh, yeah. movie. Like I think I think Tim Curry is a really truly great actor who's been in a lot of different types of roles really really well. Uh, I mean, hell, he's amazing in Home Alone too. Yeah, he Home Alone two a lost large in New cheese. York. 
a large cheese pizza. It's like, it's absurd. Anyway, uh, yes, that is the end of ending A. Well, the, the chandel- is that the chandelier or is that the second one? The, I think I think the chandelier drops and then it's like, card comes up and it's that's like, what that's happened. one way it could have happened. This is another. And in this one, Peacock is there. Or Peacock is the killer. Mm-hmm. And we get the monkey brain line. Yes. Well, the first of two monkey brains lines, which is not to go too far down a rabbit hole, but it's like a weird, uh, weird, weird cultural thing of like Asian mysticism and weirdness that I I read. And this is years ago and it's probably no longer on the site because they're like buzzfeedy now but cracked used to have like really interesting funny articles mm-hmm. that were researched and they had full a really good one talking about how full of links yeah, yeah yeah and but i remember one really distinctly talking about how there's this whole uh economy of weird news that's all attributed to vaguely asia and it's like never it's like uh, this thing happened in China or whatever, and it's never super specific mm-hmm. because it's all it say Beijing. Bullshit. It doesn't say you know. right, 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 exactly. And it's it's this weird thing of like otherness where you know the culture is so vastly different than ours that like almost anything that happens there is believable, and so these the, the things come out. But it's really fascinating to me that this one has the monkey brains bit, and Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, which came out a year before, also has this, and th- that one is way more insensitive than this oh, one. Yeah. But like the the idea of like oh they're weird and eat monkey brains. This is like such a fascinating through line of of of. of the, the 80s. Well, it's this, it's a very weird... So, earlier when they're eating dinner, Mrs. Peacock specifically says, this is one of my favorite recipes. And Tim Curry says, I know. And it's revealed that the cook used to be her cook. And the meal that they were eating was monkey's brain. So popular in Canton... Oh, he says it's Cantonese cuisine. Cantonese. Cantonese yeah, cuisine yeah, yeah. is not commonly found in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Because the monkey brains are Indian in Indiana Jones. Yeah. It's not, it's a different thing, but it's just like a weird, and that's why I said, like, I, I I am aware as a person that India and Asia are two very different places, but I was drawing a broad brush of the past times of like people just would put all that thing over there. Mm-hmm. So I, what I really like about it is that the three endings are very different. It's not like they just plug and plays like, like, you know, control, like control F r- replace miss scarlet with miss peacock and it's the same ending because the response is completely different like tim curry is like active in the first with miss scarlet but with miss peacock he's like right oh oh, no well we can we can just leave the bodies in the cellar and and we'll leave one at a time and pretend we never saw each other and like plays it off that way and the only overlap is that in all three the communism is a red herring communism communism is is a red herring yeah but but I was trying to get to this earlier and I think it makes more sense to talk about here anyway. In a in a movie that wasn't a comedy or even in a movie that was a comedy, like uh, using the mystery tropes and then not having a definitive logical ending sounds bad to me as somebody who enjoys a mystery story. Like I don't I don't me personally, I know other other folks that I don't like your mystery to leave on an open-ended note. Like I want the mystery to be solved because part of the way I personally enjoy those things is like I try to solve the mystery. I want to be the detective yeah. when I'm watching. And so a story written in such a way that there are multiple satisfying endings in the abstract sounds awful to me. Like if you were to tell me that there were three different endings for knives out, which and I keep using that as yeah. an example, but it's just a very, it has knives out 
has a lot more similarity to this movie than than almost anything yeah. else ever released that I've seen. Um, if you had gotten to the end of Knives Out and there were three alternate endings where different people were the perpetrator of the crime, I would be like, "Well, wait a damn minute!" Like, well, so I <laughs> that's think, not that's not what I want. I think it works here because there are there is evidence planted in in like so each ending has like a few minutes of evidence before it reveals the killer and in there is like oh the cook was mrs peacock's cook or like yvette worked in miss scarlet's you know hen house right plus it's based on clue wherein every time you shuffle the deck it's a different three pieces all of which end with a a killer a weapon and a room Mm -hmm. so it makes sense for this movie more than another place oh totally and i think Oh, well, so to go back to your multiple ending, I, I was in a, I don't remember if you were around for this or if you were in college, but I did a murder mystery, like, show. It was in a mm-hmm. tea room near, uh, near nearby, and it had, it was it was Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and there was a different ending each night so that, like, you could come back multiple nights and play again and, like, try and win right. a gift card for that tea. They, they were like, hey, you can do it here, but we're giving away a gift card to make people come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember if you. I didn't go to that, but that does sound cool. It was fun. Um, a friend of mine wrote it, and then this is my one of my favorite theater stories. I ruined it for a bunch of people by mistake because so it's like there were tape. It's like a, re- a restaurant. There's tables all around, and mm-hmm. basically we would come down, mill around. We had a few scripted scenes that would happen, but like we could improv with each other, and like if tables hurt us, it would be in character, or whatever. But then you, we could go upstairs to like not be around any guests. And my friend, who was supposed to be the murderer that night, forgot the vial of poison that she was supposed to take out of her dress and drink and then die. She forgot it up in the green room. So I was like, oh, shit, I have to get she forgot this. So I had like I grabbed it and like palmed it and like tried to find like a secluded corner. And I was like, hey, and I like took her hand and put it in there. I was like, you forgot this upstairs. And she was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And then walked away. And then this table of my friends goes, what did you just do? Would you just give her? And I was like, it's not important. Please don't. Please, please stop paying attention to this. <laughs> and they were like, that's. You had to break kayfabe. But you were like, you were like, hey, stop. But then, stop they, but then they were like, that's exactly what the killer would say. Don't pay attention right. to this. And so she walks away. They see her drink the vial that I just handed her and die. And they're like, Andrew did it. Andrew did it. Andrew did it. <laughs> and then they were like, she killed herself. And they were like, what? And I was like, I told you. Don't pay attention to that. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Uh, so ending C is the movie's version of how it really happened. And in ending C, everybody is a killer. Exactly. Which I like more. <laughs> it's very. It's I do very too. Agatha I do too. Right. Exactly. It's much more satisfying that all of these people had motive and carried out something. So this one, we see all sorts of connections drawn. Like the singing telegram was a former patient uh, of Dr. Professor former? Plums. Oh, patient. That's right. Okay. The cop um, was on. The cop was, was on. Being, Ms. He was being paid off by Ms. Scarlet. Yvette right. was killed by Mrs. White because he was sh- she was stooping her husband. Right. Uh, the cook was that I think was the cook still Mrs. Peacock's cook. I think I think so. Yes, and then I think, that, I think that's in both. And then the motorist was Colonel Mustard's driver in the war, who knew he was a war profiteer, right? Uh, and this one has uh, quite a fun. Like Tim Curry is actually the bad guy in this version. Yeah, of I, it, I don't love is, that. That's the part I don't like. Yeah, because the only he, thing that I'm like, he, no. 
he's well the other thing is like he's such a good chaos agent that making it like oh i'm this master tactician is confusing to me yeah it feels a little i'm thinking about the plot of the dark knight too much and nothing really yes. makes sense yeah, I, I I enjoy him not to bring the D and D alignment chart into this, but uh, chaotic neutral He's is very much better for Tim neutral. Curry. Yeah, but I but I'm saying in this with this ending, he's not. He's chaotic evil. Oh yeah. But in the in the, in, in the version of like I would prefer him at chaotic neutral. But that's a pretty minor quibble. I, I like when Curry is like with the cops. He like worked for J Edgar Hoover in some of them. Yeah, yeah, I would have been fine with that. Um, so um, this he does he does make a meal out of his death scene. Oh, though. of course he does. But so this here is the only improved line in the movie, and that is, "I hated her so much." Uh, uh, flame, <laughs> flame, flames is the only li- only improv in the movie. Is it the performance is ad lib or the whole thing A to Z? Every is that it was basically like. Hey, did she like forget her line? No. It seems like the performance seems like she's trying to remember. No, the next she's trying line. to figure out what to say because they were ah. like, she slept with your husband. That's why you killed her. Improv a thing. And so she did. Oh, and it's this like, we, my friend, I always joke that like, we imagine every day the director was like, Hey Maddie, did you like think of what you're going to say? And she's like, I'll do it on the day. I'll do it on the day. And then they're like, it's the day. Yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. like, Oh shit. Um, so this is where we find out Mr. Green is an FBI agent, and he shoots yes. Tim Curry. And then I, my only quibble, he's straight in the end. Didn't like that. Let him be gay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like, I am such a good actor. I fooled you. But I was like, there was nothing in it. The, there wasn't a part of the movie where, like, you seduced a man. Yeah, that didn't you know happen. What I mean? Like, what, like what, what was the point of it? Yeah. Uh, my final note of this is I wrote genuine hoot, and I underlined oh, it. Oh, I wrote, I fucking love this movie. That's my last note. <laughs> So, so yeah uh yeah no i i highly highly recommend this it is a genuine hoot i hadn't i had like i said it'd been i'm guessing 15 years That's since i watched crazy this a to me. Z. yeah well like i said it was it was on so much that i just never felt the need to go back and revisit it is like i i fulfilled my quota of clue <laughs> because i watched it 32 times in parts maybe yeah um because, it, it, I mean, it would be like, you know, you'd catch it, you know, you come home from school, you're eating some snack or whatever, and you throw the TV on, and it's like, oh, here, I'll watch an hour of Clue, or the last 30 minutes of Clue, or wherever yeah. it was. Um, so I saw this so many times, I just never felt the need to go back. It's I, I Honestly, I hadn't watched Ferris Bueller in probably 10 or 15 years until just over the summer, it happened to be on TV, and I, I caught it and, and watched like the majority of it for the first time in a long time. And it was one of those movies uh, I had sort of put on the, I always call it the snow globe shelf of like, this is a beautiful memory mm-hmm. I can pick up and shake and look at. And then I put it right back over mm-hmm. there instead of like, you know, hanging it out with me. And I was like, Oh man, is this movie going to bum me out now? Like, is it going to be something I really liked? No, I don't. And I was totally wrong. Like I, Ferris Bueller, I think still rules. It doesn't bum me out. It's definitely not my favorite John Hughes. Yeah. And we'll talk about yeah. that more when we we'll do the Ferris there. Bueller episode but- eventually. But but here it was the same situation of like, oh, I saw it a million times. Like, I just there's no reason to go back to it. And so I we talked about the schedule and I was like, it's it came out at Christmas time. Actually, we might be putting this out on the actual. You like day didn't finish saying the word clue. And I was like, clue, clue. Let's do clue. I want to do clue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've been pushing clue for a long time. And I was never like, oh, I don't want to do that. It was just like, we'll find a time for it because mm-hmm. they've talked about that remake so much. Um, but yeah, it just, it's a wonderfully funny movie. Just it's so super, super, super charming. 
Yeah, it really is. It, I mean, it really is a perfectly executed script to screen thing. I mean, it's just really, really fantastic. The, um, the, the only thing about it that I was like, I remembered differently is I remembered the house being something akin to my, what I said after I keep talking about knives out a movie I really liked, but, uh, after I watched that, I was like, "Oh man, I would have totally loved to just like crawl in the screen and hang out in that I, house." I want to live in that house. I want the I want the dagger throne. I want to <laughs> build that in my new apartment. That's a little creepy. It's a little bit creepy, but you do you. But I would say the the mansion here is a little foreboding. I do. I don't want to hang out in this mansion. I would be creeped out. I, I think do. There's probably do sense. Right, right. There is probably a van full of teenagers and a dog who are getting ready to bust in this house and rip a rubber mask off an old man, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I can tell from what I can see on screen. There's also but a great little super moment. Super duper recommend. Unplant, uh, unplant. So as Tim Curry's, I think it's ending C, as Tim Curry's recapping things, he like grabs Miss White's hand, Madeline Kahn, and like starts to run up the steps and she falls and he just drags her for a few steps and then lets her go. <laughs> And she's just like sprawled, splayed out on the steps. Yeah. Yeah, that is a lovely little bit. It's one of those um, movies. Do you have any other final thoughts? Go ahead. I love that you, you can watch it over and over and always notice like different little things. Like it's sort of like how I say I love to watch Hocus Pocus now by like, I'm going to pick a witch and I'm just going to follow her and focus on her because there's they're doing it the, the most. So you can like mm. pick a person and be like, oh, I'm going to just stare at her in the in the ensemble scenes and see all the little bits of business she does yeah yeah no i you could totally do that each of these people is basically their own protagonist for parts of it if you watch the movie that way but as i said i just can't say enough good things about tim curry in this movie it's just really spectacular Mm mm-hmm Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s and see all the great bonus content on offer, including later this month, a full Back to the Future episode uh, in the studio, not a part live one. one. That'll be us, us. Back to the Future part one. That's right. We've done part two, part three, probably never, uh, even though I love it very much. There's a, we, we got so many uh, April Fool, or so, not for April Fools, so many Leap Day one's yeah. on the burner that i don't know if back to the future yeah. three is gonna get there for a while <laughs> yeah exactly there's a lot of there's a lot of people in line ahead of it it's just poseidon weird. adventure <laughs> right right <laughs> oh man poseidon adventure definitely is gonna have to be an episode eventually uh anywho don't forget to visit us on facebook and, and at twitter we're at dissect the 80s we love talking to you there uh, if you haven't done it yet, how about you give us a present for Christmas and you review the show on iTunes or wherever you get it. But if you do it somewhere other than iTunes, take a screenshot, email it to dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. We read those on the air even when they're mean to us. So if you want to say something about the show, make us feel better. There's a place to I'm do moving. It. I'm stressed. <laughs> Uh, I think we're all stressed. It's just generally a bad time to be alive on the planet Earth. Yeah. It's not the best time for that. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening to the show. We will be back in two weeks with a movie I am super thrilled to watch and review, even though I have no background knowledge I have no it whatsoever. Santa Claus, the movie starring Mr. Progresso Soup. But not, John not Santa Claus with an E. Not the Santa Claus. No. 
No, it's not the Santa Claus. The film's actual title. Is, I feel like I'm doing who's on first. The film's title is all of these words I'm about to say. Santa Claus colon the movie. It's all four but of those words. But it's not spelled C-L-A-U-S-E because Santa Claus is C-L-A-U-S. Correct. Yes. But I'm, I'm, I'm specifying that it is Santa Claus colon the movie. It's all four of the words are the title yes, of this movie. Starring Progresso Soup. Yes. So really excited for that. That will... Supposed to be out on the 28th. We'll see if it comes out on the 25th accidentally. Sometimes we do things like that. I'm not sure. Sometimes Santa shows up. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a Chum Some of This production. 